You've heard of common sense. Well, I sometimes call Proverbs uncommon sense uh, because it seems like we've lost our common sense and common sense is not so common anymore. So I call this uncommon sense and we're in part eight here and we're going to talk about the subject of integrity, integrity. So let's see how many of you have taken any of this seriously and you read at least one proverb this past week, at least one, just one. Okay, okay, two honest people, and how many of you, three honest people, and how many of you, you say, no, I didn't, I didn't even read any of it this week. It's okay, be honest, look at there, he's got his head down, put his hand up like this, okay. It's for your benefit, I'm just telling you, like reading a, a few Proverbs a day, I'm telling you, you are going to see, it's going to change the mood of your day. It will, it will, um, you will get what you put into it. Uh, anytime you read the scripture, you get out what you put in. And when you read the Proverbs in a practical sense, and you're looking for something where, God, I need help today, and you just have to read a few of them, folk, and you'll get, you'll get the gist of what the scripture is going to say to you about a given subject. And they're marvelous because they're, they're memorable, and uh, that's, Part of the, the beauty of Proverbs is that they're meant to be memorized. Uh, so today I want to address a subject that um, is fairly rich in the book of Proverbs and really the Bible as a whole, and it's a subject of integrity, all right? And as usual, I'm just going to read for you a sampling of what the Bible or at least what the Proverbs say about this subject before we, we take a closer look, all right? Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 9. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Integrity, I have it underlined there, in uh, chapter 10, verse 9, chapter 13, verse 6, chapter 19, verse 1, 28, verse 6, because the same word in the Hebrew is used in those passages. Sometimes it's translated in English, integrity, and sometimes it's translated in English, blameless, okay? Proverbs 11, verse 20, the Lord detests those whose hearts are perverse, but he delights in those whose ways are blameless. Chapter 12, verse 22, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. 13, verse 6, righteousness guards the person of integrity. There's that same Hebrew word as 10 and 9, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. Now remember, Proverbs are not 100% guarantees, uh, you know, and sort of warranties uh, from God, and they always happen in every situation. I'm sure you can think of people who, you know, they behave with integrity or what you perceive as integrity, and it's like they're, they're in so much difficulty, and then you see people and they don't behave with integrity, it seems like their lives are going great, okay? The, that's normal. Uh, but these are proverbs are, you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, more times than not, this is the way that life works. 14 verse 25, a truthful witness saves lives, 
but a false witness is deceitful. Now, chapter 15, verse 26. The Lord detests this time the thoughts of the wicked, but gracious words are pure in his sight. Chapter 19, verse 1. Better the poor whose walk is blameless. That's that same word that's translated integrity sometimes. Than a fool whose lips are perverse. Chapter 19, verse 28, a corrupt witness mocks at justice, and the mouth of the wicked gulps down evil. Wow, and it was a powerful image, gulping down evil. Chapter 20, verse 17, food gained by fraud tastes sweet, but one ends up with a mouth of Gravel, not gravel, gravel, <laughs> a mouthful of gravel. Wow, so food gained by fraud, oh, delicious, but in the end, it tastes like a mouthful of gravel. It's made through fraud, through deception. Chapter 21, verse 6, a fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. Chapter 28, verse 6, better the poor whose walk is blameless, that's that same word there in the Hebrew, than the rich whose ways are perverse. Just a sampling uh, on this overall subject of integrity from the Proverbs. It would be helpful if we could first start by defining it. Integrity, it's a, a, a great word. Uh, just shout out some answers for me. What do you think it is? Integrity. Being what you say you are. Honest. Righteousness, I heard. Good reputation. Trustworthy. True. Okay, good. Good. I think you're all you're all on the right track there. Um, I like to define integrity with with some really practical things. You probably are wondering what in the world these pictures have to do with integrity. Well, uh, on the left, there's a device there. Any of you know what that is? What is it? It's a voltmeter. Yeah, or that's probably a multimeter. Yeah. So we use that in uh, in electricity, right? So you, in, in that world, it's a great, there's a great definition of integrity there when you think about uh, electricity. Now, when I studied physics, I got as far as uh, what you call electricity and magnetism. So, uh, you know, learned a little bit about that. And uh, this is a really, really helpful device because it will help you to measure integrity when it comes to electricity. And this comes in really, really handy when something breaks in your house. Like, for example, your clothes dryer. You turn on that dryer and it's making noise and it's spinning and all that, but the clothes don't dry. And they come out cold and wet and you just run it for hours and hours and you say, oh boy, there's something wrong with my dryer. 
Now you could do one of two things with your dryer at that point. You could A, buy a new one, which some people do, or you could B, we'll say three things. You could B, call a repair person, which fine, or you could C, fix it yourself. And if you fix it yourself, you're probably going to your friend and mine, YouTube, right? And how to fix a clothes dryer when it does da 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 da. And you go on YouTube, and some of you are smiling because you're experts at fixing problems and doing DIY, do it yourself with YouTube. So when you go on YouTube and you look this up, more times than not, the problem with your clothes dryer is the heating element. That's that coil that gets red hot and produces that heat, see? But you got to pass electricity through that coil. Do you follow? Some of you have, who have been through this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are people who work in, uh, I see our contractor here. He's here. He knows all about this. I see people who work in different fields where you know about these things. And so what you do is you take out your, your heating element and you take your little voltmeter there, and what you want to do is you want to see, hey, is there any resistance in this, in this coil? Because everything, you know, you try and pass electricity through something, if, it, if the thing has integrity, it's going to produce a little bit of resistance. And a coil, you know, in a dryer will produce a very, very small amount of resistance if it has integrity, and you measure, and you say, have I got any resistance on this thing? And if you get a little bit of resistance, it really is a very small amount with that type of thing, you say, oh, it has integrity. But if you put your leads on either side, and you get a big zero, or a beep and you're from, your, from your, your multimeter, say, uh-oh, there's a hidden flaw. There's a failure in integrity in this coil. I can't see it, but I just measured it. Maybe I'll never see it. Maybe if I took a magnifying glass, I might see a little crack in there somewhere, but it doesn't have any resistance anymore. That means the current's going to pass through it, but it's going to stop. Because if it had resistance it would, on both sides, you put your leads, you say, oh, it's got resistance. That means it has integrity. That is a great way to understand integrity. On the right side, you see a building. Many sites like this just outside of our doors here. The cranes are up. They're building all kinds of stuff. You want to make sure the building has integrity. The structure has integrity. Because if the structure lacks integrity, it's going, something's going to fail miserably, miserably. I saw a, a little video online this week. There's a man who was training in a gym, and it's relatively new construction. And he said he heard the cracking in the roof above him. And then he saw the ceiling begin to bend like this. And the beams of the ceiling were cracking like this. And he ran aside, he grabbed somebody, ran aside, and the whole ceiling came down in the gym, crushed the whole gym. Man was okay, the other person was okay, but there was a failure in integrity in the build. 
and therefore the, the ceiling came crashing down. That's a problem with integrity. Could it be seen? Could the cracks be seen somewhere? Probably not. They're probably very, very small, probably not detectable, but it was not built properly. Lack of integrity. There's a crack somewhere. There's a hidden flaw somewhere. You probably can't see it, but it's there. Simple definition, who that person appears to be, that person is. Who the person appears to be, the person really is. There's not a contradiction between what you see on the outside and the persona and the presentation and the words and the actions and what's really going on inside of the person. There's no contradiction there. What you see is what you get. That person has some integrity there. What the thing appears to do, like the coil in the dryer or like the building that's supposed to stand up, it does. It doesn't fail. It doesn't break. It's working. What it appears to do, it does exactly that. And that's integrity. No invisible cracks, no secret flaws in it, no failures, nothing invisible. Now, I would contend with you that integrity in life, not just talking about coils and buildings, but in life, in people's lives, is now viewed as an option. This is no longer an essential character trait that must be pursued and must be part of people's lives. Now it is optional. And I'm glad that there are parents in the room. You need to know that integrity is of great value and priority in your children's lives. If ever you are going to leave them with a character trait, integrity is the one you want to leave them with. And, you know, if they're church kids and they're growing up in the church world, you want them to have all of this spirituality and all that stuff. But, folks, if you don't show them integrity and you don't model integrity before them, they're not going to believe any of it. They're going to jettison faith as soon as they can because what they saw in you may have been a lack of integrity. You may not be the smartest person in the room. You may not be the most spiritual person in the room. You may not be the big prayer warrior for your kids and all that stuff. You may not be super spiritual. But if you have integrity, that is of great, great value. And that is very, very much appreciated by God that you pass that integrity on to your kids of extreme value. I believe that it is now viewed as optional. And well, it's still a good trait, but you know, that's for traditionalists and that's for conservatives and you know, people who have these kinds of ideas and these kinds of ideas, it's good for them, but this is, we don't have time to live with integrity anymore. We, we, there's too many things going on. This is, you know, it's like an option. Why do I say this? Because when you don't have integrity espoused in the culture, when it's not prioritized in the culture, what you see in the culture is skepticism. And this is what you see now. Skepticism, uh, I mean, 
with a with a capital S, folks. Like there is so much of that around. This this week I was uh, uh, on a on a YouTube uh, channel. There is a uh, very popular guy, a TikToker, YouTuber, and the, yeah, I think this man probably spends all day just making videos. And uh, I watch his videos all the time, and I comment now, and I get into debates. He hasn't responded to me yet, but I get into debates with people who are on his channel. It's amazing how these, these YouTube stars have like layers and layers of people who defend them, you know? Really interesting. And this guy purports to be an expert, an academic in the Bible. And he says, I, I'm here to combat misinformation on the Bible and to present the academic view of the Bible. Very, very learned guy, knows the languages, has all the doctorates and PhDs and all this stuff. And so it's a oh, guy knows the Bible. Let's see what he has to say. Well, this dude, every essential of the Christian faith, he's tearing to shreds, tearing apart. And he's, I mean, everything that I, that I teach in this pulpit rips to shreds, laughs at. You know, so I'm like, there's a point, folks, where, where you just say enough. <laughs> so I've gotten into, gotten into it on this dude's channel, and we're, you know, I'm going back and forth with all of his defenders and all this. And my word, folks, the skepticism that's out there, off the charts, skepticism, skepticism. We were debating back and forth about whether or not the Bible is, is the inspired word of God and whether it speaks with one voice and whether it has errors or whether it doesn't have errors and all this back and forth, back and forth. Takes hours debating with these people online. And one of them said, well, you know, we talked about a passage from 2 Timothy chapter 3. The Bible, it's, it's inspired by God. It's useful for training and rebuking and correcting and teaching and training in righteousness and so on. And the guy, the guy says, oh, come on. Don't, don't tell me you believe 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is a fraud. It's not even written by Paul. It's a fraud. It's a fraudulent letter. That's the level of skepticism, folks, that we're dealing with in the culture. You see a, a, not only a lack of trust and authority, but people despise authority, despise it. I mean, e, politicians, people despise. Police, people despise. Lawyers, people despise. Maybe they've always despised them. But you see it, such a sentiment of, of distrust and, and uh, skepticism and forget about authority, and this produces a lot of self-reliance. After all, we can pick up our phone and we can get whatever results we want. We can fact check whatever we want, and we can, we can live in that world, folks. And it's because I think integrity is now pushed off to the side somewhat. This is not an espoused trait in the culture, and so you start to see this kind of stuff rear its head. Tremendous amount of skepticism, lack of trust and authority, self-reliance, and so forth. The Bible would do the reverse. The Bible would value integrity very, very much so. And it would teach us that integrity is something you cannot compromise on. You cannot put off to the side. You cannot live without it. You've got to have it. So I'm going to give you three areas just over the next 15 minutes uh, of focus for a life of integrity. You want to have integrity? There's three areas, I think, 
especially in our world and in our culture and our society that we really have to focus on if we want to have it. And you see it in these Proverbs and some other ones. Number one, integrity with the mouth, with the tongue, with the mouth. And you see this in uh, the Proverbs that we just read. 12, verse 22, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Someone said trustworthy in the, in the congregation before. So this is something that God takes very seriously. He, he, he strongly dislikes lies, deception, and when people do that. But when people are trustworthy, this is what he delights in. You've got to strive to be a person who, when you speak, you, you develop a, a reputation, if you will, that you are trustworthy. Not that you are deceptive, but that you are trustworthy. He wants us to be truthful in the things that we say. Chapter 14, verse 25, a truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. Again, deception versus truth. 19 verse 1, better the poor whose walk is blameless than a fool whose lips are perverse. Integrity versus lips that are in this, in this rendering perverse. Chapter 21 verse 6, again, a fortune made by a lying tongue. Wow, I mean, you can think of people who have made a fortune with a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. You see how seriously God takes what you say. And when there's integrity in your speech and there's truthfulness in what you say, this is of great, great value to God. And by default, you will find that when people get to know someone who is truthful in what they say, they want to talk to that person. They want to confide in that person. And some of you are like that in the room. People come up to you and they tell you their problems all the time. And you wonder, do I have something on my back that says, come to me with your problems, free counseling. You know, do, do I have a sign? No, you don't have a sign. You're trustworthy. You're trustworthy. Maybe you keep a confidence very, very well. Maybe you've given advice that has really, really helped a person. So you develop this kind of trustworthiness and people come to you. That's why they do. This is of tremendous value to God, truth in what you say. Number two, integrity of the mind, of the mind. And this is a real challenge. It's a worse challenge than, than putting a voltmeter on a, on a bad coil. It's a worse challenge than building a building and making sure that you build it with integrity. To truly have integrity in the mind is very, very difficult because no one can see it except you and God. And no one can see it. No one knows what you're thinking. I have no clue what any of you are thinking right now. And you have no clue what I'm thinking right now. Say, of course we do. It's coming out of your mouth. Oh, no, folks. There, there could be stuff running around in my head at the very, very same time that I'm speaking. You know it's true because you can do the same. And so to have integrity in the mind, this is a huge, huge challenge for people. 
But this is a priority for God. Chapter 11, verse 20. The Lord detests those whose he, he detests a lot, apparently. The Lord detests those whose hearts are perverse. There's something on the inside there that's broken down. There's something on the inside of there that lacks integrity. But he delights in those whose ways are blameless. What happens, folks, is that what the mind spends a great deal of time meditating on ultimately starts to turn into behavior, ultimately starts to turn into action. And you can keep your actions in contradiction with what you're thinking only for so long. You think about it and think about it and think about it and think about it. Eventually, you are going to do it one way or the other. You're going to find a way to do it. You say, well, I've meditated about this and this and this, but I've never really done it. You know, I've meditated about stealing. I meditated about murder, maybe. Somebody may, maybe they just wanted to get rid of this person, you know, and I meditated about it, but I never did it. Yeah, but watch your little micro behavior toward that person. Watch your little micro behavior toward the concept of theft. Have you stolen even something small? on your way to something bigger and bigger and bigger. Because what the mind meditates on eventually becomes action. Chapter 15, verse 26, the Lord detests, again, that word, the thoughts of the wicked. But gracious words are pure in his sight. Contrast between thoughts and words, because again, what you think about, what you meditate on is going to become action, going to become speech. And God is looking for integrity with the mind, and it's in sync with godly actions. The way the person behaves is in sync with what's inside of that person's mind. You say, oh, well, this is not a big deal. Well, if I had the technology, you know, if I, if I took these two probes here, and somehow I snap my little finger and I turn them into, into this new invention where I could go up to you and I could put one probe on this side and one probe on this side and magically it would connect to this screen. And everything that you're thinking about right now would be projected onto this screen. How many of you, you'd be good for my experiment? You'd volunteer for that project. One person in the back. Well, come up here. I, it just so happens that I... No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're, we're not there yet. But most of you would say, uh, no, not at all. Not a, thank you very much. Not at all. You know? E look, even if it's just the thoughts that you're thinking right now, just right now. I mean, all you have to do is clean them up just for now, right? But let's say I were to do it and say, the last 24 hours of what you have thought about projected onto the big screen. Folks, for some of you, that'd be worse than the horror movies that they play here. Because you're struggling with integrity inside, in the mind. No one sees it, no one knows it, except you and God. But this is a high, high, high priority for God. Because God knows what you think about, eventually is what you are going to do. And finally, and this one's a little bit sensitive, but this is very much uh, culturally relevant, and that's integrity with the body. 
And I'm going to read to you some Proverbs that I haven't read. I've saved them uh, for the end here. When you read the Proverbs, especially the introductory chapters, you know, 4, 5, 6, chapter 4, 5, 6, and 7, they're floating around in there. Man, you're going to see a lot of stuff that's going to make you blush. Because the writer there, and it's probably Solomon, who, who he's got a lot of, lot of bad experience in the area, he is putting out warning after warning after warning after warning to, in his context, his sons in the whole area of what they do with their body, particularly in the whole area of their sexuality. And uh, it, it's strong, folks. These are strong, strong warnings. I will read the parts that are, you know, palatable on a Sunday morning. Chapter 4, verses 23 to 27. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Many people have memorized this proverb. Now watch what he does. He puts everything into one section here. Your mouth, your body, your thoughts, everything. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. He's wrapping everything all together. These things are not mutually um, distinct. You know, the, the mind, the body, the, 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 the mouth. Chapter 5, verses 3 and 6, th 3 to 6. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. The word for grave there is Sheol, the place of the dead in the Old Testament. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. This strong warning against the, uh, again, back in their context, the adulteress. Chapter 7, verses 6 to 10. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice, and I saw among the simple, simple there is uh, people who have a low moral intelligence. They're not thinking about right and wrong. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. At twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in, then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. Told you, it's very, very strong, these warnings. With per persuasive words, verse 21, I can't really read the rest, it's, it's make you blush too much. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. And all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver. 
and like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. A warning for his sons about that particular, again, put it in context, because today when we read it, it almost, you say, well, this is so anti-woman, you know, where's the men who are the adulterers? It's, it's, it, just put it in context, but understand the warning. The warning is against what these young men do physically with their bodies. You jump into the 21st century, and you look at this subject of, uh, uh, you know, tender subject of sexuality. My word, folks, is there ever an application today? This has become one of the deities of society. This is a worshipped thing now. This is not an aspect of humanity. This is a god of humanity. And we are recreating and reinventing whatever we want to suit our own fancies and our own needs whenever we want, folks. And we have all kinds of ways of, of doing this now, but it is a veritable deity in society now. You see it everywhere. You see it all over popular culture. You see all kinds of models that are destructive. You see even in the education system, even young children, folks, they're, they, you, parents, you need to wise up because they're likely being taught and almost trained in an understanding of human sexuality that's going to make you very uncomfortable, most likely as parents, especially parents who are, you know, church-going folks. You'd probably be shocked at what they're learning, even at very, very young ages now, because we're reinventing this, and this has become a deity. It has been a deity for many, many years. And it's fascinating when you inspect the pages of the scripture and you juxtapose them on the ideas about sexuality today. Because the scripture's concern in this area is in what people do with their bodies. It is not so much in what people are thinking about and what their proclivities are and what their motives are and what their attractions are and what their attractions are not and all this kind of thing. Well, I think I'm this and I think I like this and I'm not sure about this and I'm not sure about that. The Bible is not so concerned with that. The Bible is concerned with what you do with your actions. And this is where uh, you have to decide what you are going to do. The Bible would say, okay, you have this attraction, you have this affinity, you have this, uh, uh, this question, you're not sure about this, you're not sure about that, okay, but what are you doing with it? What are you doing physically with your body? And in the scripture, you will see the body has got to be ultimately in submission to the will. It can't be the other way around. You have to be in the driver's seat of what you are doing with your body. You have to be. And you have to know what the consequences of your actions are going to be with what you do with your body and what you don't do with your body. 
You have to be in charge. You, at the end of the day, make the decision. There's not something that overtakes you magically that causes you to do certain things with your body that you have no control over. You are the one who is responsible for your actions. You are the one who has to see the consequences of your actions before they take place. And you are ultimately responsible for the decision. And you can't blame anybody else but your decision for the consequences of your actions. And this is the problem today is that there are many of these seductresses that are coming into our lives very, very easily, folks. And for some of you, uh, the seductress is not somebody out of, a, out of a window that you go and you knock on their door. It's right on your phone. All you have to do is turn on your phone and there's something there. And folks, the statistics now, even in church culture, are shocking, folks. It's in the region of 50% of people who are part of churches have issues in the area of pornography. And it is not just men. That is a myth. I have met women as well with this problem. Women are a lot more shy to talk about it than men. But women deal with this issue as well because it is so prevalent and so pervasive and so easily accessible. Super easy to access. Parents, another thing for you. You have got to know what your kids are looking at on those devices. Because they can get a hold of this stuff so easy and it will do exactly as the proverb writer says, it will bring destruction into a person's life. There's nothing productive. There's nothing good about it. There's nothing that helps you about it. All it does is slowly eat your life away and destroy it. And it doesn't matter, male and female, they both struggle with it. Some, it's just faithfulness in marriage because it's the, the we're taught that this is an option that you know if we're modern people then this is no longer you know necessary and you know you can do this and you can do this and you you will face the consequences of your actions folks and when people have integrity in this area they are ultimately saying my body submits to my will Regardless of what my internal struggle may be, regardless of what my affinity may be or may not be today and tomorrow and next year and last year and whatever, regardless of the madness of this culture in this area, my body ultimately submits to my will. And I will face the consequences for my choices and this is the scriptural way of looking at this subject, folks. And this is the way that it works in real life. And what we have done is we've taken all of this internal stuff and we've put that in the driver's seat. No, ultimately your will is in the driver's seat. And you control what you do and you do not do with your body. And integrity means that's the sequence, that's the order my will, my body, and my consequence. So folks, whether it's the mouth, or whether it's the mind, or whether it's the body, these areas need to be led with integrity. 
And you have that in your life, my friends, and you make those things priorities in your lives. And wow, you will see the blessing of God. You will see yourself doing things and being in places that you never thought you could do, where you never thought you could be, because God honors integrity. It takes a long, long time, but he's, he honors it. Would you stand with me, please? And musicians, you can come if you're in the room and go ahead and play whatever you want. Uh, as we close today in prayer, I'm reminded of my dear friend who passed away at the end of March, Don Mann. And uh, so many of you in this room know him and maybe his wife and, uh, and his in-laws might be watching the stream online right now. But this is a man who lived with this as a high priority, integrity, integrity with what you say, integrity with what you do, and integrity in what you think. And he really lives that, leaves that legacy behind to many people who he ministered to in this room, to myself. And uh, so this is why it's such a high priority, folks. Even, even beyond the grave, your integrity can be passed on and people can uh, bring it back to the focus of attention. Once again, Father, I pray for people in this room, people online, people are going to watch, people are going to listen. Oh, in the name of Jesus, uh, may we take it to heart, oh God. May we, um, even despite what we hear and see out there and all the different craziness of ideas in, in these subjects, God. May we once again put you front and center. May we live lives of integrity so much so that people would look at us and say, what is it that's different about you? Why are you handling this situation differently than anybody else that I've seen? Why are you reacting this way and not this way? What is it about you? May you flow through us, Spirit of God, and enable us by your power to live this way. I pray for parents in the room who are just trying to raise their kids in a, in a, in a godly way, in a godly sense, and what a struggle it is. Lord, may they prioritize integrity in their own lives that their children would see it, that their children would be attracted to it, that their children would build off of it and live in it. We pray together today in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Look forward to meeting you outside in the corridor or over here. If you're new, you can give me your guest cards. You can give me your guest cards as well. And there's stuff to do in the foyer, tickets to buy and all of that. If anyone has lost a Bible, we have just found one, okay, with major day. God bless you, everybody.